This is a quick disclaimer. Although the wise investor is trying to educate people on personal finance, what we talk about on the show is not actually financial advice for your personal and unique situation. Before trying to do anything with your money, always consult a professional. Hey, this is Anthony. And I'm Sal. And you're listening to the Wise Investor Podcast, where we help Canadians become more financially literate one post at a time. This is what they did not teach you in school. Okay, welcome to today's episode of What They Did Not Teach You in School. My name is Sal Longo. We got a very special guest today, Mario Armani, and yours truly over here, Anthony Tony Chevy. What's going on, guys? That's that- a serious name, huh? <laughs> My real name's Anthony Catavalotti, but no one really uh, can it's pronounce okay. that it's good. unless you're a pure walk. Mario, <laughs> thanks for joining us today, man. Yeah. Thank you for having Happy, me, guys. Happy uh, come out here. We've had a snowstorm yesterday up here in Toronto, and we've also had minus, what, 20, minus 30 minus weather 20. today. Yeah, yeah. so we all made the trek in. We're alive. We're best day of our life because we're alive. That's what I like to say. 100%. I love that. So, pleasure having you on. Before we get started, <laughs> this episode is not brought to you by Peria. <laughs> I just want to say that uh, special thanks to King Street Media for continuously doing the video work for us. Couldn't do it without them. If you're interested in any kind of digital marketing, website, stuff like that, hit them up at kingstreetmedia.ca or you can look them up on Instagram. So today, we wanted to bring on a realtor in order to get a different perspective on how things are going in the Toronto real estate market right now. As we know, over the last eight years, a lot of people have been investing in real estate. What we wanted to do is kind of get an idea of, for our viewers at least, what the current state of the real estate market is, and if they are looking to buy their first house or invest in a real estate property, we'll touch on a bunch of stuff as we go along today. Fantastic. So Mario... Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? How did you get started in real estate? Why did you start in real estate? What what was your journey that led you up to here today? You're asking a lot of interesting questions. Um, so uh, I mainly got into real estate uh, as kind of like a side gig. So at the time, I owned two properties and I figured, well, at the end of the day, one day I will definitely need to sell them. And back when I bought the properties, it was right when HGTV was kind of like popping off and those home flipping shows were getting started. (laughs) And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to flip houses. And I thought I was smarter than everybody. And I realized very quickly that it wasn't as easy as it looked on TV, right? So um, I was working part-time as a realtor. And then I kind of uh, looked at it as a business. And I said, you know what? I'd like to get into this. I've always loved homes. I've loved design. And uh, kind of like what led me into real estate to actually go into it full-time was because my parents, them being immigrants, when they purchased their first property, they actually got screwed over by their realtor. So really? my parents not speaking the language 100%, they trusted that the realtor kind of led them in the right path and she definitely didn't and my parents lost quite a bit of money. If you don't mind me asking, yes. maybe so people could learn from that mistake, what happened? Quick story, basically the my parents found the house privately 
and the realtor, uh, like the owner of the house was not willing to pay commission. And uh, the realtor basically, without my parents knowing, she, did, she didn't say, well, you guys have to pay me commission out of your own pocket, which is what she should have done. She basically fraudulently wrote in the papers because she was also helping my parents do the mortgage. So really? she wrote that the basement was unfinished and my parents needed another 40K to fix the basement. Meanwhile, the, they didn't need that, right? That was just to pay her commission because she didn't want to honestly tell my parents that my wow. parents needed to pay her. And luckily, the owner of the house had my father's contact number, and he called him out and said, listen, this is what's going on. Here's the paperwork that this lady wants me to sign, and I refuse to do this because she's screwing you over. So, so. how could people uh, try and avoid this in the future? Uh, I actually want to get to that uh, a, little uh, yeah, a little bit later on. We'll because, get into that yeah. then. We'll get into that. So uh, how old were you when you started uh, doing real estate? Uh, so I've been doing real estate for like 11 years. So I'm 35, probably like 24 years old. So oh, I've wow. been doing it for quite a while. Um, I, I actually feel like I've been doing it for a lot longer because I'm just like so involved in so much aspects of real estate. 10 years is a long time. Yeah. You've seen over the last 10 years all the crazy stuff that has been happening in Toronto yes. with real estate prices really hitting that like all-time level that we've been seeing it at right now. But before we dive into that, I wanted to ask, um, you owned two properties before you got started. Yes. What What made you want to like invest in real estate at the beginning? Because two uh, properties that young, I was hoping great. you weren't going to ask his net worth. You know, <laughs> before you started, how many properties do you have now? Oh, yeah, <laughs> I was like, no, well, I won't get there. there. But, but for a 24-year-old to it, buy it property, is, that's is good. Great, so someone must have instilled that into you or uh, something. It was definitely my parents. My parents said, you know what, um, if, if we could have gotten started younger, uh, you know what I mean? And they definitely gave me a hand, you know what I mean? In terms of like the mortgage pre-approval, like a lot of parents do, like they didn't give me any money, but they were like kind enough to kind of uh, co-sign, especially on the second property, which it's, it's a little bit difficult. Uh, and also when I purchased the properties as well, because a lot of people say, oh, how were you able to buy? Well, I didn't buy a million dollar properties, right? When sure. I per when I bought my first property, I paid 365 for it. Mm -hmm. So you're talking about a different price range. Banks were a lot more lenient in how much money they actually gave out to people. So... So when you started off in real estate, what would you say is the biggest difference that you've seen from when you started till today in real estate? Uh, I would say technology. Technology okay. is something that's crazy. Like before things were more old school, right? Now everything is online. People are are, are able to research, they're able to do things on their own. They, they, they kind of take the first steps on their own. Whereas before, they called the realtor right away and a realtor kind of handheld them right from the first stage, right? So and how's that, how's that changing uh, like people's mindsets? Like are they more aware? Have people started to want to use realtors less because of that reason or? Uh, definitely. So now what a lot of, uh, what, what's happening a lot right now is people are going direct to the source. So they're actually like, let's say they're not represented, let's say a buyer, they're not represented by any realtor. So they're going directly to the listing agent with the mentality that, Oh, okay, well, you know what? I don't have a realtor, so you, you got to charge me less for the property. When in reality, that doesn't always happen because at the end of the day, that person represents the seller. They don't represent you. And that commission that your realtor would make, most likely they're still going to take a huge portion of it. But at the same time, they're not doing what's in your best interest. They're doing what's in their seller's best interest. That's, that's honestly a great point. Something we talk about all yeah. the time, right? We have clients all the time. Oh, you know, like, I don't want to use a realtor. We're just going to go like try to buy direct or whatever from the selling agent. It's like, do you understand that no one's representing your interest? Like, yeah. like there's a lot of value that comes with a buyer 
by representation, right? That people don't see Definitely. and they, they find out, hopefully, hopefully they don't find out, but you know, with proper mistakes and things like that, they end up finding out, right? Very, but, very true. But what's funny about that is it doesn't even make sense financially because for somebody that's buying and selling, usually the realtor who's, buy, like let's say if you're having the, the realtor represent you on both ends, yeah. when you're selling your property and buying, the realtor would charge you a little bit less you know what i mean True. they'll either knock off you know what i mean let's say 0.5 or one yeah. percent off of the listing of your home and when you're just going directly to the source and buying it you still need a realtor to list so at that point the realtor is not going to give you any discount so in reality you still are paying for when in reality you think you're not i'd love True. to just ask a quick you took the question right out of my mouth there very i'm happy for that and uh, before <laughs> before i'd love just to get a quick little uh, sound bite here about how it's trivial, but how do realtor fees work? Because a lot of people out there actually don't know what it is on the buy side, the sell side. Would you be able to explain that yeah, for us? Yeah, I would actually love to. Uh, I'm actually in the works of uh, making a video of how real estate commissions work because Great, a lot of people idea. don't understand. Yeah, right? for sure. So uh, usually on the buying side, realtors are getting 2.5% of the purchase price. Now, a lot of people think, okay, well, that's all money that goes directly into their pocket. So very important. Out of that 2.5%, the realtor has to pay for all of their time showing profit properties, all of the systems, gas, the gas. Yeah. there's also fees that they pay on, on a yearly basis to the actual uh, Real Estate Council of Ontario, uh, to the Toronto Real Estate Board. Then there's also fees, like for example, uh, when I, uh, I I actually opened up my own brokerage last week, Armani Realty. Congratulations. So, um, I, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Um, I used to be with Royal LePage. So for example, when you're with Royal LePage, you're paying a 1% plus uh, HST franchise fee per year. You're paying like a monthly desk fee, which is in and around the $200 uh, a month range. And then you actually have a split that you're actually paying the brokerage. So let's mm -hmm. say, for example, if you're selling, uh, if you're buying, if your client's buying an $800,000 property and you're getting two and a half points, it's $20,000 you're not getting $20,000 in your pocket. By the time you get all those things taken off, let's say you're probably making only 14000 or 15000 hmm. And then out of that money that's left, you have to pay taxes on that at the end of the year. Mm -hmm. So these are all things that people aren't taking into account. They're just seeing that big lump sum. <laughs> yeah. and, and It's funny. It's like, you know, people always, oh, you made like, you did a big deal. Like, no, like you didn't, it's not all 25,000 or 30 or 40,000 all going to you, right? It's just, you know, and it's cost of doing business. Like how about all the marketing and things like that, that goes into it. Right. So, you know, where, where the realtor can really make the difference and kind of like make a lot of money is because you can have multiple deals going on at the same time. So for mm -hmm. example, a regular employee, he's at his job, let's say from nine to five, he technically can't be at another job from the same time. So a realtor, they can have multiple listings at one time or they could be dealing with more than one deal. So True. in one month, let's say if you're closing two deals, that's when you'll actually start, see that profit, right? Yeah, you'll start making, yeah, build wealth. Yes. And then on the sell side, there's also a commission as well. Yeah, so there's also a commission on the sales side. So once again, if, if the person's using you to buy and sell, they may go ahead, let's say, and charge you a, a smaller fee. Like uh, it's quite common in the industry, you know what I mean, where they'll, they'll lower their fee to, to for, for example, to, to 1.5%, 2% when you're buying and selling. Uh, and then just the standard 2.5% if you are only selling. So pretty much people are paying around 5% for both realtors yes. on the buy end. Four, yeah. Four to five is, yeah. is typically the, the norm right now. I see, I see. However, there are areas like, for example, Young and Shepherd, which is not too far away from here, where um, what a lot of realtors are doing is 
is on the cooperating side, on the buying side, they're actually offering three to three and a half percent. Really? Just to entice like the realtors to get their people in there and basically put offers on these homes, right? Interesting. So this is a new trend that's been, you know what I mean, happening now with the market <clears throat> taking a little bit of a correction over the last year and a half. Oh, that makes sense. Um, okay, so we know how much realtors get paid. Now let's talk a little bit about how to choose a good realtor. So. Sure. Um, what would you say people should look out for or some of the things that they should be looking for when choosing which realtor to use? I love this question because it's often um, what I spend the most time kind of educating people on. Uh, so people kind of always choose a realtor based on the fact that they know them or they're a friend or they're a family member and they're not choosing them based on this is the best person for the job, right? So I feel that one of the things that most realtors don't have is actual knowledge of the market especially the new realtors. New realtors are always focused on getting clients and, and, and figuring out how to make money, but they're, like you have to think, well, what do I have to offer this buyer? What do I have to offer this seller? Why are they gonna use me? They're not gonna use you because you have very nice business cards. They're gonna use you because you're gonna <laughs> in help a pretty face. in a pretty face, right? <laughs> does uh, help. It, it does, does help. help, it does help. It definitely helps. Um, but you definitely wanna make sure that you have that knowledge of the market, and I think if you have that foundation, and then you put together, uh, you put it together with things like great marketing and 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 that kind of thing, that kind of uh, those kind of things. It really kind of uh, solidifies why a person's going to use you. For me, I always thought that it is about their knowledge of a certain area in the market too. Like if I want to use, if I want to buy a condo in Toronto, there's people that specialize in that, you know, or like a property in Vaughan or whatever the case is. Would you agree with that? I would agree. Um, a lot of people also they typically tend to use the realtor that they see the most in the area. In so if they see, area, yeah, yeah <laughs> that doesn't mean they're great or that they know the area. That means that they're consistently focusing on only selling that area. Hmm. So that's something definitely important that you should you should interview more than one guy Absolutely. and I, there's no reason even if you know you're gonna use somebody why not interview somebody else because you can see like meet another person see their plan if their plan is better fantastic if their plan is not better you'll actually feel even better about using the guy that you were gonna use originally so true we always tell people interview 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 whether it's financial planning yeah. or real like real or estate agents or mortgage broker. Broker. you want to interview more than one person and back to your point you know like People think just because they see someone's 100 signs in one particular area, they're the best. You know, they might have, they obviously have great knowledge of what's selling because they're selling these homes, but still doesn't mean they're the best. You know, oftentimes I've come across, you know, listing agents like, you know, you see their, their face everywhere. And I'm like, oh, this, you know, this person's going to be like really legit, no like economics and yeah. finance and all this stuff. And you talk to them and it's like, what, like, how, how did you get all these listings, of right? Course. But, you know, it just, you know, for our viewers out there, like, you know, it's always good to trust the person. So that's why they might flock to people, you know, but you should definitely interview, you know, professionals that have been in the business for some time that have knowledge of finance and look for any advantage you can get. There's more than your cousin that does real estate part time. Look for professionals. I say it all the time that do it full time. Yes. Right? Or, you know, that this is their career. Right? Yeah. And don't choose them based on commission because it's like I always tell people, um, there's always that like in the real estate world, there's that 1% realtor, right? The problem is, is that you, there's not a lot of meat off the bone to be able to do things like, for example, marketing. So on average, let's say a property that's a million dollars, I'm spending around give or take 2000 $2,500. And this, like, if I have to do staging, this is another added cost. How mm -hmm. are you able to do these things only charging somebody 1%? 
So it's something Crazy. that's a little bit. What is the value add for those people that charge one percent? The Big value is is volume. So their idea is we're gonna just crank it out. So they'll go ahead. They'll use a cheapo photographer that'll do yeah. pictures for one hundred and twenty dollars, and they'll just put a sign on your lawn. Hmm. And that's I all actually, they'll do. I actually got a letter on my door or something, and it was from an agent, and it was like, "I'll sell your house for like fifteen hundred bucks." Yeah. And I'm like, "How is this person like? With all due respect, how is that person gonna sell my house for fifteen hundred bucks? Like." Just the marketing and the gas alone, like I understand they're probably trying to break into the market sure. and get their, but I'm just like, how does this make any sense, right? There, there, there's other ways to go about it. It's you either, you use service or price and these people are not going the service route, they're going the price route, right? I see, so. I see. So back to the whole niching thing too. Yes. Do you have a niche or a certain type of client that you ter- uh, typically look for or deal with? Uh, that's actually one of the things that I, I, I wanna start doing more. So I try, uh, I'm trying to slowly go more into the luxury market because um, so the, the my motto and my, my, my slogan basically is always attend to detail is everything right so in the luxury market um, people really want that attention they expect it you know what I mean and it's something that I love to give so whether I'm listing a four hundred thousand dollar property or a four million dollar property I still give the same level of service whereas the person at the four hundred thousand dollar mark they really might not care <laughs> they might not care or might not appreciate that you know what I mean so and it's also when I explain these types of things to my clients as well, a small change in price or something like that makes a big difference over the long term. Hundred percent. But for small uh, price things, it's not as big of a difference. Like the attention to detail to a four hundred thousand dollar property may be the difference of four hundred thousand or four hundred and fifteen thousand. The attention to detail on a million dollar property or three million dollar, or, or especially yeah, a three difference. million dollar property makes a massive difference. We're talking hundreds, hundreds of thousands, kind of a thing, right? So it, it's it, especially now more than ever because, like two three years ago, there was ten proper, uh, uh, sorry, ten buyers in one property. Now there's ten properties in one buyer, right? So everything has to be perfect. So those little details are what's going to make your home stand out amongst all the other homes, right? Mm, So that's what you really need to focus on. And that 1% realtor, unfortunately, they're usually not paying attention to those little things, right? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, what does luxury real estate mean, by the way? Because I see that term thrown around <laughs> often, especially Homes on that are appealing to the eye. especially on TV, especially on TV. So uh, you know what it, it seems like is that something that you really focus on, luxury real estate? Yeah, I, I I do focus on it, and it's definitely a term that gets overused and thrown around all the time. And and luxury uh, real estate is very subjective. Like there's homes right now, and I'm sure you guys have seen them in Toronto that are two million dollars, three million dollars, and you're like. I wouldn't pay $500,000 for this home, right? <laughs> but it has to do with area, um, demographics, schools in the area. There's also the type of construction. You can go to areas like, for example, South Etobicoke, where you can get these homes with bigger lots, bigger bigger homes themselves. And then you go to other areas like, for example, Forest Hill, and you get this small little tiny home, <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's yeah. got beautiful character or it's just been redone and it's just a tiny home and it's worth still $4 million, right? So there's a lot of aspects to... Um, luxury but I, I guess it's 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 main it is subjective right just because it's a million dollar home doesn't mean it's an actual luxury home so it doesn't have to actually have to do the, with the price necessarily the bar necessarily. to become a luxury home has increased Ladies yes it has sorry to those viewers <laughs> that think your home's luxury you might have to uh upgrade to a luxury home yes <laughs> i would love actually to chat a little bit about the change in the prices of real estate over the last seven years okay, okay. because even for my parents, like 
when they first moved to Richmond Hill, this was like 10 years ago or whatever the case is, Richmond Hill was like a farm place. Yes. Like farmers, lots of land, people, you know, and then over, I moved there in grade six, and then ever since I've been there, now all of a sudden you see these massive houses coming massive in, homes. overseas investors that are coming in, condo buildings going up, the entire place looks different everywhere. So why do you think that's the case? And I'd also like to see your perspective on that because you've been in the industry over the last seven years. So what has happened that Toronto real estate is skyrocketing? So there's a lot more residents definitely coming into the country. A lot of people are actually um, like even like the, the, the all, all these tech companies like Toronto is becoming like a major tech hub, mm-hmm. right? So all these that. people come here and they're, they, they need housing, right? So uh, here in Toronto, uh, builders that are building subdivisions and all that there isn't really any land for them to build on. So they typically go north or they go east or just areas that they're able to construct multiple properties. Now, the good thing about Richmond Hill that you mentioned is that Richmond Hill had a lot of older properties with these big monster lots. Hmm. So builders go there and they're able to build these these mansions right so it's it's part of the reason why a lot of new construction has happened over there but richmond hill it's a big place there's a lot of infrastructure and it's a place that's also going to continue to grow right so what do you think is the main driver for the increase of interest not um for the toronto pricing and stuff like that well i think mario hit it right on the head it's definitely we chat about it all the time it's definitely toronto is a fantastic city yeah Right. And, you know, we're not a Manhattan. We're not a New York. And, you know, a lot of the times I'm glad you said that, you know, a lot of the times you see realtors. Oh, yeah, you were like a Manhattan. That's why it's going to indefinitely rise. But we do have great industries. Right. We have tech, like you said, the financial sector here is very strong. We have so many different, you know, industries in Toronto. And to get into a city that's safe, has great economic prospects, you know, embraces like democratic values. Plus, you have, you know, a decently strong government and things like that. The price is skyrocketed. And what happens? Well, if Toronto's too expensive, it just starts spilling over into, you know, North York, Etobicoke, and then keeps going north to Vaughan and even outside, you know, these areas. So everyone wants to get into the city or at least close to, and it's just creating increasing in pricing. I got a follow-up question to that one. Do you think that real estate prices are going to continue to rise? Because we know that one of the reasons why real estate has done so well is because interest rates have been low. That's one of the drivers. But now that interest rates keep creeping up, we've seen a correction over the last couple of years, but yeah. it seems to kind of be rebounding back. Like no one's, I don't know, from my perspective and talking to my clients and stuff, it seems that people are kind of regaining confidence back into the real estate in, uh, market in the GTA. What are your thoughts on that? I know it's an opinion thing. We don't no, really no, know. That's fine. But what I, do you think is going to happen I, over I the like, next couple I, years? I, I like to give my honest opinion. I love the question because um, I do think, well, first of all, this year we have an election year. So there's a lot of other facts. Like the election, I think, is going to play a big part. Usually when there's an election year, everything is on the up and up always right so i think that the issue is not necessarily going to be 2019 it's going to be 2020 just to see uh, what government comes in what exact what exact changes uh, are going to happen i think that um about three or four years ago people were buying properties and saying well worst case scenario i'll sell it mm-hmm. so now one of the things that i say to my buyer i say well you may need to be here for the next five to six years in order to not only profit, but even get your money back should some type of a correction happen. Love that. I think that prices are gonna more or less, Royal LePage is predicting them to go up 1.9%. Pretty uh, flat. Pretty flat. I don't think it's gonna go up or it's gonna go down. Uh, I 
bottom line is interest rates are going to go up in the next two to three years. It's inevitable. It's going to happen. And uh, I think people should plan for a possible correction. Now, I don't think it's going to drop 20% like a lot of people saying that the market's going to crash because unfortunately, uh, Canada, they are, are like the Canadians in general, we really depend on uh, the equity of our homes as net worth, right? Yeah. We, we mainly have our net worth in our homes, right? Mm-hmm. A so, lot of people that I see, that's their whole thing. You know, they become millionaires because of real estate exactly. and the equity in their homes. So it's not because they're investing or anything like that. So we have to be like, I think the government is going to be very careful not to hurt that part of the industry because it's going to be catastrophic. I think it'll be even worse than 2008 in the States. Hmm. I'm sure. I so, so I like that you chatted about, you know, we always on the show, we always talk about like, you know, interest rates and how it impacts, impacts real estate prices and whatnot. And you talked about, you know, government, right? Like what government legislation or even, you know, you even said the election year yeah. affects, you know, whether prices are increase or they stay stable or whatnot. And, one thing I want to highlight to like our listeners and viewers is there's so many different factors at play in the economy, right? And no one really has a crystal ball. So for those of us that think, oh, you know, interest rates uh, stayed the same, so prices are going to continue to go up, or interest rates might go up and prices might go down. It's not as simple as, you know, one or two factors. You're talking about like 10, 20, maybe even 50 factors. It could, you know, interest rates can go up because the U.S., government increase their interest rates and it's just so much macroeconomics at play the thing we don't we never like to time the market but you should always make an educated decision and you know talk to professionals to see you know what their opinion is don't talk to someone that's out of the industry to 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 listen to what they think is going to happen with the economy particularly real estate or the stock market right so talk to professionals and get different types of opinions that, that's the biggest issue though with real estate that everybody <laughs> feels that they're a professional because yeah, right? exactly. they can go online and then yeah. they, they have this information and they just think that um and it's very difficult like i'll, I'll even uh going from even being a part-time realtor to a full-time realtor yeah. uh, it was just like a shock like yeah. you think you know what you're doing and then oh gee i know nothing right yeah exactly it's, uh, so i can imagine the public that's not really in the business at all 100%. So. <laughs> all right i got a couple interesting questions for you because some of the people that are watching um are looking to get into the real estate industry as okay. realtors or whatever the case is particularly in as a realtor or a mortgage broker and as we've seen over the last five years because the industry has been so hot Everyone and their mother is a yeah. realtor, you know. A realtor. Yeah. Like I'm, 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 I'm pretty, i pretty much everyone, everyone knows I know a realtor. A license, and, yeah. yeah, everyone's got a license or is looking to become a, a realtor. And what I see, kind of, this is my perspective because I didn't, I didn't get into the game. I'm still a financial advisor. I do the, my thing. That's kind of like people have been moving out of the financial advisor game into the real estate game because apparently the commissions are so high. Yes, and you make good money. And the industry's hot. So everyone's moving in there. I'd love to get your perspective on that and any kind of advice or wisdom that you can impart into the people looking to get into the game or just start. Uh, Don't forget to say, join Armani Real Estate. <laughs> you know what, Ashley? The, the, the model of my brokerage is very different. So I'm, I'm not necessarily looking to hire anybody as oh, of okay. yet, believe it or cool. not. Uh, but, uh, if you're looking to get into real estate, I think that, um, even uh, being a mortgage broker, uh, you have to take into consideration that you have to learn about the market. Like 
you're going to go study to be a doctor. You don't just go into surgery the next day, right? Like you actually learn. Uh, and I, I actually think that's a big flaw in the actual real estate system itself, because after you get your license, I really feel that you are not ready to sell real estate. <laughs> you don't learn enough. A hundred percent. You should have, you should have to, let's say, work alongside an, a, a realtor of, let's say five years plus where they can kind of, you kind of apprentice under them for, let's say a year. And then you're able to trade on your own. I think something like that would really help the market and it would give like the public in general confidence in what we do. Cause that's actually one of the biggest things that, uh, one of the biggest challenges that we face, we kind of walk into a room and we we're kind of having to prove ourselves before we even say anything because we're already labelized as liars or, or people that salesmen. are dishonest salesmen right you know what that's actually that's a very interesting point because it's almost the barrier to entry into getting into the real estate market uh, like get your license is so easy that it dilutes the people that are actually good and knowledgeable yes. you know so having something like that could probably make things better well, that's why the market, like for example, a lot of people are like, oh, the market has been, and, and there's a lot of realtors right now that are literally freaking out because there's, like for example, I've been in real estate 11 years, but what what's the last downturn that we really had in the real estate market? 1991. You're going back from 90 to 95, right? So a lot of the realtors that have been in the game the last 20 years, they really haven't seen this kind of a market. So there's people like literally, they don't know what to do, right? Mm. So I actually kind of like this market because back in the market that we were before guys like me even though i'm good at what i did and all that and i have this crazy marketing i was part of I, everybody thought i was just like the other guy now people are actually sitting down and they're scrutinizing you they're saying okay well what are you gonna do that's different than the other guy so i do have a lot of material to show people and i feel that i can really back up my talk and by by things that I I can actually show people that I've done. So this kind of market I feel is gonna help those realtors that are very good kind of stand out a little bit more. That's good. It's like that with you know most industries, right? You have you have the top and you have pretty much the rest. And uh, at the end of the day, it would be good even for the government or the regulatory bodies, you know, that sets the educational standards for realtors, right? Like, you know, why why should someone be able to do it on you know a weekend for one or two years to yeah. get their license so that they could do a bad job for their family member just because you gave your family member a business <laughs> you hurt yourself right so you know like things like you exactly you said the educational you know system in real estate they don't teach you know finance and economics yeah. to a high degree or you know negotiation or like construction things that, construction, construction is, is something that's huge they, they don't yeah. they don't really they teach you very basic and minor things right yeah. but it's kind of like okay well the home inspector will look at it as a realtor you need to know construction there's exactly. so many aspects to like i've walked into open houses with my clients and i've heard the realtor saying oh you can take out this wall no problem and no, i'm actually can. very familiar <laughs> with construction and i'm like you cannot take that's a load bearing wall and to to take out that wall you're talking about like thousands of dollars right it's not so easy as just cutting it out right yeah, so it's interesting yeah and that's, well, one that's piece of advice too. for uh, aspiring realtors don't get into real estate no no de de definitely uh, it's like I, everything if i had to do it again i would get into real estate but i would actually try my best to find like a mentor somebody who was willing to kind of take me under their wing I like and uh, show me how it needs to be done right from the beginning and then after they taught me like the basics i can kind of you, you, uh, the person would be able to create their own identity right let's let's talk about that a bit right so you know i do wealth management i've been involved as well in like the commercial real estate game and, and stuff like that but you know i you know my intention at one time was 
you know, let's work under someone, right? Sure. Being like 23, 24, you know, getting into the business. Okay, like let's let's work under someone. This sure. guy's got my back or whatever. And I'm not going to say any names, sure. right? Everyone's got to eat and stuff. But, you know, you work under people and then you see in the business, it's like they don't, they're really just out for themselves. And it's yes. not really to do that, oh, this guy's a bad person or unethical. Well, that person is just trying to eat as well, right? So Very common so in how, how do you think like the industry should go to kind of help people that start in the business to maybe work on a team? Or is, is, is there is there, is there a way well. to align interest? Because like in the corporate world, people are on salary and they get bonus for performance. Sure. So they're on that team kind of environment, right? So Yeah, so the team concept is something that's been really taken off over the last two or three years because um, team members are able to, or team leaders are able to put in systems and then they're able to go ahead and let's say, have you follow that system. However, um, usually a lot of team leaders, and I'm not saying a lot, all of them because I personally know a lot of great team leaders, mm -hmm. they kind of, treat people like they're lackeys right and they don't really teach them the business they're just saying do this do this do this so you have them like let's say they send them to open houses or they send them with buyers and they're not really showing them the ropes right so th there's a big difference between being on a team to having somebody mentor you i think those are two two different things and and definitely i think being part of a team is something uh something positive and like right. i said if i was starting again i would kind of i, I would definitely go that route that's if great I were advice to, if Sorry, go ahead. Uh, we talk about it as well, like to became, become a master in any field, finance, yeah. real estate, you know, whatever. You need to become an expert and that's from training by other experts. We have yes. a book right there called Mastery, Robert Greene. Shout out to that author. He's amazing. I don't know if you've read that. No, I haven't but, read that But uh, it's all about one of the biggest things in the book is to become a master. Every person whether it was like a Picasso or a Mozart, they trained under other masters so that they learned from them and then they got uh, to a level in their field where they can get their own creativity yes. and make it better, Exactly. right? So how do you have any tips for people looking for a mentor? Like there's not really, you can read books and things like that, but do you have any tips for people like, okay, someone wants, Anthony wants a mentor, like yeah. go for it. Like how does, how does he did find you, one? Did you have a mentor like uh, when you started in the industry? Uh, I didn't have a mentor in real estate. I had a mentor in, in another aspect of business. My father didn't teach me or anything like that. I, I didn't like uh, have any understanding. Like I literally had to learn everything. Um, in all aspects and I'm that type of a person where I'll go out and I'll find that I'll find the solution to the problem and if I can't do something I'll, I'll bust my butt trying right but um, it, it was very difficult for me I have to say it was very difficult for me and uh, if you're looking for a mentor you have to find somebody that's gonna actually spend the time with you that they're gonna show you what's right what's wrong and, and just invest time in you and that's just, it, it's something that's very difficult to find now. You're, you're not going to find and it. And do you have any tips for our viewers or anyone? Like, how can someone go about looking for a mentor? It's a tough thing to do, you know? Like, uh, but the greats, like Sal said, all had amazing mentors. Like, Warren Buffett had Benjamin Graham. And, like, uh, th these are, like, amazing types. It was Benjamin Graham? Yeah, Benjamin Graham, yeah. Yeah, yeah so, and, uh, and, and uh, so, uh, even, like, I just want to say that uh, doesn't necessarily need to be somebody in the industry. Sal and I's accountant is a mentor to us. Like my mom True. is a mentor to me. You know, yes. teachers growing up were mentors to me. But having someone in your industry as a mentor, huge. it's huge. And sometimes that requires you to work for free. Like Gary Vee says it all the time as well. Like 
find your find the person closest to the sun and go and be that person. <laughs> yeah. But it or go and work for that person You'll for free. Yeah. You know? Because like imagine you're an amazing mentor and a young uh, realtor looks up to you. Maybe you don't have the money or the time in order to pay this person to follow you around all day, right? But if they came and said, I'll, Mario, I'll work for free for you. Just teach me your wisdom. Would you not say yes to somebody like that? As a matter of fact, I would actually love to mentor somebody for right sure. now because uh, I want to grow my business in a specific way. And I'm not necessarily looking to start hiring all these realtors. My first step is to kind of mentor somebody to teach them my wisdom so then they can help me grow my business. That's what I'm saying. That's man. what I want to do right and, now. So if you're watching this if video. If you're looking for a mentor, yeah. Mario. DM us. Yeah, <laughs> because the thing is that back in the day when you used to do, back in the day, I mean like thousands of years ago, when you used to start a craft or master a craft, it was apprentice. So you would find yes. someone and you'd be their apprentice and everything like that. And that's kind of changed nowadays. But uh, that would help a lot if you want to really cut the learning curve in order to master a craft. But I do want to just say, uh, I want to ask one more question before we wrap up. And it's something that we've been asking a lot of the people on our show. Uh, there's a difference between millennials' mindset and the older generation's mindset. Okay. So um, what would you say is the biggest difference when working with a millennial versus someone who's a little bit more older and veteran um, in purchasing real estate or just working with them in general? Do you see a difference? Huge difference. Um, like, uh, I don't even know where to start. There's a... Uh, <laughs> so... Uh, the older generation, um, they'll just basically, they want you to take care of everything. So they'll call you and they'll want you to kind of handhold them and take care of it and kind of let you do your job, which is technically the way that you should do it. Uh, millennials kind of, they like to search on their own. And a lot of the times, and obviously I'm a millennial as well, and, and, and I'm a culprit to doing this a lot of the times, is I'll, I, like, I'll think that I'll know. But in reality, I don't know. Now, the one thing that I do love about millennials uh, is uh, one of the biggest things that I love to do in real estate is educate. I like to give people the right information, which is actually why I love what you guys are doing with your platform and, and what you're doing. Um, and that's why I was so drawn to you guys, right? Because you guys are trying to also educate everybody into making great decisions. So uh, millennials, they want to know. They want you to teach them. They, they, they want to know everything, right? So that's what actually attracts me very much to working with millennials because they want to know information. Mm -hmm. So that's... Uh, I like that. How about you, Sal? What would you, what would you say one little thing is the difference between working millennials and older people? Uh, For I, some reason, I yeah. feel as if... I want to say that that's yeah. very true. A lot of young people, whenever they... Whenever you start learning about anything, you're like, I know everything. This is yeah. easy. And then it's that classic thing where then you hit kind of the curve and you're like, oh shit, I actually know nothing. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> yeah, I actually don't know anything, yeah. you know? Um, uh, but then with older generation, they're, some of them are a little jaded by the experiences that they've had in the past, you know? Very true. And they're a Excellent little bit, point. They're, they're a little bit, well, this happened to me one time, and because of that <laughs> reason, all up. realtors they're are like that, up, you know, yeah. or whatever the yes. case is. Yeah. So what would you say is something that you noticed, Sal? Yeah, millennials, you know, I think Mario hit it on the head again. Like, you know, they're very, they're usually pretty intelligent people, like higher, yeah. like they're very educated for the most part, right? To, you know, even to get basic jobs today, I always say you need to have like, you know, university or college is like the high school school of like 20 years ago right so you know they're usually pretty educated and but definitely they're very independent right it's, yes and the hardest challenge with millennials even if they're getting into their late 20s early 30s it's like you know they still are very respectful of their parents and it's great but I feel like a lot of us and I'm the same way it's like I'm making a big decision 
let me talk to my parents. It's like, I'm a grown-ass man. Yeah. You know, like, like, I should be able to make my own decision, right? So, so true. sometimes when you're working with millennials, and even myself when making decisions, it's like we're always consulting our parents, right? So it's like we're like this semi-man, semi-kid still, right? So it's Love a little that. bit of a challenge. Amazing. So true. <laughs> All right. Uh, before, I, before I ask the last question, where can people find you? Plug yourself right now. Where can they find you online? If they want to get in contact with you, how can they do that? So uh, best way is ArmaniSells.ca on my Instagram. On my Instagram, I, um, I kind of have a different um, a different uh, uh, way that I kind of promote myself. I don't necessarily just promote real estate. I promote a lot of the things that I like to do in terms of building and design and obviously the properties that I'm listing and clients that I'm working with. But uh, ArmaniSells.ca, my Instagram, I, that's the best way to reach me. Yeah, love it. Your Instagram is amazing. Thank Instagram you. Is your, is your blazer today Armani or No, what? no. <laughs> I, I actually don't like Armani clothes at all. Really? Okay. But, uh, yeah. I had to ask because everyone asked me, do you own the grocery store? And I'm saying, oh, you know, unfortunately, i got to work today. So. Definitely, no. definitely. Believe it or not, though, my dad is distant cousins with this guy. No way. Believe it or not. No yeah. way. Very, very with distant. With who? With Armani. With Armani. That's serious. Oh, no but very distant cousins. Oh my goodness. That's, <laughs> that's amazing. Funny, that's funny. All right. So we asked this question to everyone sure. in the last, uh, on, at the end of every show. You'll just answer it by looking right into your camera over here. You, by the way, you keep on saying that you have like one final question. But I know. Because, me. Because, <laughs> hey, hey, the the reason is because I keep, I keep coming up and we're having a good conversation. I'm I trying to it. wrap it up. But, I'm just busting your yeah. chops. <laughs> last, last question. Though. We asked this to everybody at the end. So, uh, and it has to do with mastery because we believe in, in order to master a skill, it takes 10,000 hours and you got to be so in depth with it, you know, so much so that you actually learn things that the general population don't even care to know about or yes. uh, have no clue even exists is a thing, you know? So if there was something that you believe to hold true that you wish other people knew, what would it be? Uh... That not all realtors are the same. Hmm. Like I really believe that not all realtors are the same. Unfortunately, we're painted with the same brush, and uh, I think that um, people should do their research. You know what I mean? And it's all about uh, connection. The the guy could be the best guy in the world, best realtor in the world, but you also need to have a connection with them, right? So um, for everybody out there that's thinking about selling a home or buying a home, just Think of everybody as as different people and kind of get to know that person you're going to do business with. Trust in options. I really like that. Yeah. All right. I really like that. Thank you very much, Mario, for no. coming on on the show. Like I said, I'm much very appreciated. Grateful. I'm very grateful. I really believe in what you guys are doing, and you guys are uh, helping our generation. You know what I mean? Get information that uh, we wouldn't otherwise receive. So thank you guys. Thank Thanks you very much. much. No problem. Thank you. It, Thank Thanks you. Until much, next guys. time. This is what they did not teach you in school. for tuning in to this week's episode hope you enjoyed it be sure to follow us on instagram at the wise investor until next time this is what they did not teach you in school we hope to see you soon